the Bible. For some, it's only a great piece of literature. For others, the claim is more audacious. Truth. Christian traditions, to one degree or another, regard the Bible as a reliable source of it. But in the face of critical scholarship, modern science, and historical discoveries, does the Bible really hold up? Literary scholarship places the Bible in the same category as other works of literature. Scientific theories chip away at a young earth creationist worldview. The ongoing quest for the historical Jesus claims to undermine the trustworthiness of the Gospels. Like the creedal statements of the past, the Church has attempted to clarify its view on the Bible. While most would deem this act as a necessity, others would say that it is a futile effort, one that has done more to separate Christians from the world instead of driving them to cultural engagement and transformation. One that has driven Christians from their faith in the Bible, its reliability, and its authority in their lives. Are both Christians and non-Christians treating the Bible as something it isn't? What claims does it actually affirm and assert? How can Christians hold a view of the Bible that maintains its authority without undermining the scientific and historical claims of modern scholarship? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the People. Welcome to another installment of Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're your hosts, Reichard Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. <laughs> Just chomping on a sandwich here. Hey, you get lunch in when you can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess we can, we'll dive right in to the topic. Yeah, it sounds good the to Bible. me. The Bible. I don't know any other way. Yeah, except jump in. To be happy in Jesus. <laughs> but do trust and obey. <laughs> Bringing it back to Sunday school here on Questions from the Few. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about the Bible today. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it's, yeah, it's authority. Mm, interesting. Like, um, I remember the, uh, as the title of the podcast suggests, I remember the old Sunday school song. That's a Sunday school song, right? For the yeah. Bible. Yeah. For the Bible but tells me so. What is that song? Jesus loves me. Oh yeah, it is That's Jesus it loves is. me. Oh wow. Yeah. Just a song everybody yeah. learns. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean that's what we're we're trying to talk about is to what extent does the Bible I guess to what what is its reach? Where does it what does it talk about? Um what does it speak to? Who is it speaking to? But yeah, I guess more specifically uh that question that we've posed of authority versus accuracy mm-hmm. like is is authority based on the exactness of the Bible mm-hmm. um, or is it based on something yeah. else? So, I mean, that's kind of what we're taking up. Hopefully, uh, I mean, hopefully both, obviously this is a very important topic for Christians to take up mm-hmm. because if we if we do believe that the Bible, um, you know, to be the word of God, that kind of thing, obviously it's going to direct our lives. That kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah. No, uh, I get what you're saying. But then obviously, you know, for non-Christians, I mean, maybe this is a look underneath the hood a little bit. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, you know, maybe maybe you've said, like, you know, what's going on with these Christians in the Bible? Yeah. It's an yeah. old book. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can, I guess, at least present the thinking around the Bible um, mm-hmm. and, and why it's viewed yeah. a certain way. And hopefully 
dispel some misunderstandings or maybe misconceptions about what certain what certain doctrines right. are and that kind of thing. Because right. I think sometimes there's some language used that's a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think at minimum, both Christians and non-Christians alike can agree that the Bible, again, at bare minimum, is a great piece of literature. Christians would agree on that. And I'd say most non-Christians would mm-hmm. agree mm-hmm. on that. I think there, obviously, there are some critics um, that that are lumped up, uh, lumped up in that. But for the most part, even non-Christians would say it's a great piece of literature. It's a literary right. work. Um, so we have that going for us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, you don't get... <laughs> a book doesn't last this long right. without it. There's got to be something, yeah. at least something special about right. it. Right, right. Whether that's literary genius mm-hmm. or, you know, something more. Yeah. But obviously for Christians... of the two. Yeah, right, but obviously for Christians, it's much more because we believe that it's the way in which God has revealed himself. Right. Yeah, definitely. So obviously there's there's differing views. Um, I guess kind of the, the a place to start is the nature of the Bible. So mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, I've heard this, uh, you know, from varying different people who talk on this issue. They talk about how Christians want to make it, uh, make the Bible golden tablets from the sky. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, they say that, you know, it's God breathed and this is God writing to us, God's love letter to us. I'm not saying those are necessarily bad metaphors, but maybe they are. (laughs) Anyway, another time, another time. Anyway, uh, so when it comes down, we think that, you know, God is writing this to us. So we can, we can just sit here, especially in our context, our 21st Mm -hmm. century context and go, oh, I see what's going on here and I see what, what's happening. Um, And so then because we're sitting in a, a specific context, um, and obviously the Bible is written in another context. Mm-hmm. When we see things that we don't understand or doesn't reconcile in the way we think about things, often it can be either you could say that's a contradiction or um, or y- if you're kind of just blindly following, you can say, oh, well, then that must mean this. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, really off. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, I would say right. sometimes Christians, we... Maybe we don't quite have the context for what we're reading. Mm-hmm. So then in a in an effort to reconcile, we make some jumps right. that maybe don't necessarily need to be right. made if we had a little more. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things that that are that should be assumed but aren't addressed. So, for example, the fact that the Bible was written over, you know, 1600 1400 1600 years, mm-hmm. right? Or the fact that we're thousands and thousands of years removed from the accounts and even the fact that we we don't write like like the way that uh that the biblical authors mm-hmm. wrote in so we try we try to read an eastern text mm-hmm. from a very western mm-hmm. point of view mm-hmm. and that's where i think most of the um most of the troubles come mm-hmm. when you get these supposed contradictions and Right. And whatnot. Right. Well, that's a, so we're obviously reading like a post-enlightenment style mm-hmm. of thinking back onto an ancient text. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously when that happens, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to get out of your lens. Actually, I don't, I mean, I would say it can't really happen all the way. You can do your best to be unbiased and to like get context, but mm. 
at the end, you know, at the end, you're still, you're still a product of your culture. Here's an interesting thing that I'm going to inject into this because it has ramifications for this, but also just our podcast in general. So basically, human beings obviously have the biggest noggins comparatively to like our bodies um, and comparatively to the birth canal. So obviously, we we come out and we're the most dependent of all like species here on Earth. So obviously, when a cow gets born or a calf, I should say. They come out and they start walking, they start doing their thing, a deer, you know, all these things. They kind of come out and they know what to do. And it's called like instinct, right? So they have these like pre-built things that they already know what to do when they come out of the, mm-hmm. like when they come out of the womb. Humans obviously aren't like that. We come out and we're, we're almost not human. It's like what, like we don't know anything of what we're doing. We're entirely dependent, 100% yeah. dependent. Um, and so the interesting thing is that our culture our culture is our instinct, like an, is our, mm-hmm. our instinct. So yeah. basically it teaches us how to be human. Mm-hmm. So when we grow up in a certain culture, um, obviously we're dependent and we grow up in it. That is like how you behave as a right. human. Like that's how you that's act. That's how you think. Right. That's how you think. Yeah. That's You're so ingrained in it that it feels innate. Mm-hmm. It feels as if it's instinctual yeah. because it almost is. You're yeah. being taught from a young age that this is, yeah. this is how you live. Yeah. And anything other than that is... Is difficult, right? Right. Because, yeah, exactly. So that feels unnatural. Exactly. So that's where, when when you hear something that either goes against your culture or isn't a way that your culture has done it, the temptation is to say that's wrong. Like Mm -hmm. that is clearly wrong. Mm -hmm. It has it. It's wrong to to what I've been raised. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's wrong or uh, or not relevant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or it's. I mean, that's that's something that's way different and has no bearing and. I don't even know what these people were thinking. Mm -hmm. So I guess we, I think as people who approach the Bible, um, if you're a Christian and you're approaching the Bible, I think you need to understand that you are in a far different context, both culturally, probably geographically, just a a far different context from the biblical authors. And so I think there just needs to be a little bit of almost humility and saying, I don't. I probably don't understand this all the way. I don't think that it's unapproachable. I'm a big proponent of, I think, the old lady who prays every day beside her bed and has never had an ounce of biblical training. I think she can have faith way bigger than like the best Bible scholar. So like I'm not I'm not equating this to, to like maturity and faith. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying when it comes to making exclusive claims on biblical interpretation, I think uh, yeah I think we need to understand that we come from a certain context mm-hmm. and you know it's it's not necessarily easy to pull back the layers to yeah. actually get to what's underneath yeah uh so i guess one of the we talked about misconceptions and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the biggest, uh, I don't know, things that confuse, I feel like, both Christians and non-Christians, and this goes back to the thing where Christians kind of entrench and try to explain things, whereas non-Christians just dismiss, you know, because it's ridiculous. Uh, but that's the the word inerrancy. Mm-hmm. So I think one, like I said, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the Christian community and also in the non-Christian community um, and obviously they react to that differently. Mm-hmm. Well so I guess for for those listeners 
who aren't familiar with the term or never really thought about it how like let's put out a definition of inerrancy right? right so i guess the basic idea of it is that the bible is what free of error yeah in all that it teaches i think so in terms of inerrancy one thing that we got to get straight out we have to state straight out of the gate that's a phrase right yeah i think so. straight out of the gate <laughs> is that it's not a belief in the doctrine of inerrancy isn't required for salvation right right so we're not saying right some people that are listening to this aren't saved right. there's actually multiple different views of scripture mm-hmm. yeah that christians hold right they run the gambit yeah gambit I always mess that one up. <laughs> so it's not required for salvation. Sometimes it's treated like it is, but it's not. right. But it is important to talk about. Um, so one of the things that kind of pops into people's minds is that, yeah, the, the question of accuracy mm-hmm. then, right? Because scripture is an errant, like we claim it is, then it must not have any discrepancies at all or errors supposed even right um but the term inerrancy i think or i know comes with a lot of a lot i was talking about uh with you the other day it comes with a lot of asterisks Mm -hmm. that i don't think um i don't think the majority of christians right are aware of or even think about right so stuff like free quotations where you know jesus is quoting a portion of scripture but it's not word for word mm-hmm. like it was in the original mm-hmm. text mm-hmm. right um but that's still considered a a quotation right or even conflated numbers mm-hmm. um and statistics and and whatnot or gaps in whole genealogical lines right which we would say it's presenting it as if like with the genealogies thing like it's presenting it as if he was his son and clearly he's not why mm-hmm. are they doing that you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. but it's like we said, it's a different culture and it's a right. different literary style. Right. So conflated numbers, like in the book of numbers, um, you know, with the millions of people thing, which just probably isn't the case. Like that and the genealogies, like they're they're there to convey a meaning. So instead mm-hmm. of saying either that's either true, like, you know, that's true and it's definitely true because the Bible mm-hmm. says it is, or that's false yeah. and clearly the Bible doesn't know what it's saying. Yeah. It's like, well, let's just, let's just take a step back have a little bit of nuance yeah. and like, what is the author trying right. to say by yeah. by using these things? I think the problem comes when we focus on something that the author isn't trying to focus on. Right. Right. So we're reading, mm. he, we're reading and writing past each other. Right. I guess the the fault is more on our end, on the reader side. Right. The more than anything. But yeah, we, we, we hone in on a certain part of it or a certain way of reading the biblical account and we put blinders on ourselves and that's really the big thing right uh, really the big issue well i would say i mean that i mean maybe i'll put some people off on this but that like that happens a lot of times with like scientific claims right mm-hmm. so like if we take the book of genesis i'm just gonna go for it um if we take the book of genesis and we read it in a western i'm reading a history and science textbook mindset then we would say it must be six days. It says six days. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what happened. Clearly the Bible wrote it, or clearly the Bible says this, and so that's what it must mean. The thing is, like we said, there's different literary styles back then. So science 
it speaks to a different a different type of thing than say like the Bible does because obviously mm-hmm. science is a good way to measure like physical reality, mm-hmm. um, whether that be in the past or what's coming in the future, movement of the stars, mm-hmm. also just like atoms and yeah. things. It answers a different question, right? Right, and it's great. Um, yeah, it's really great. Um, so obviously they're they're speaking to different things, but but it's not to say that science can't like help us even when we're trying to look at things. Right. So for instance, I mean, I know this has been used a lot, but the biblical concept of the firmament, mm-hmm. which is basically how how they understood cosmology back then, mm-hmm. which is totally, totally cool. Basically what it was is you got the ground, um, which is on pillars, and then there's a big dome with holes poked in it, which at night are stars. And in the daytime, there's water above not always in the daytime, but when it rains, there's water above and they fall through right. the little holes in the firmament. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know through science and just technology and mm-hmm. actually going to space that, that that's obviously not the way that cosmology is. That's mm-hmm. clearly not what reality is. Yeah. Um, so when we look at that now and we see firmament, we don't think, oh, that must be scientific fact that I'm reading mm-hmm. in the Bible. It's, oh, that's, you know, that's how they understood cosmology back then. And, you know, it's not really the point of what's being written. Right. It's just, you know, it's that's that's how yeah. they understood yeah. cosmology. Back. It was the context from from which they were writing. Right. 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 So we read from a different context and people write from a different context to a different context in a different context. So there are just multiple contexts right. here. So that's so when the Bible's talking about firmament or even even let's take the historical narratives, right? God and Moses meeting on Mount Sinai. That was because they literally thought deities lived on mountains. Mm. Who in who you know who scaled mountains? Mm. Nobody. Right. And so mountains. for them that was unknown. Obviously, like the firmament and the sky was even more unknown for them. They didn't have planes. Right. But I would just, I'm just trying to bring it down even closer to right. Earth. The mountain itself was an unknown to them. Right. So. For God to meet Moses in Exodus on Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. that would have spoken to their idea of deity mm-hmm. and the fact that, oh, wow, this God who's calling us out of Egypt and brought us out of Egypt is meeting us where we th- where we automatically assume God's already live. Mm-hmm. So, it, so inerrancy, a good definition of inerrancy has to make room for that. Right. Right. That sort of thing. Right, exactly. Because that happens all over the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Even like with so like with Genesis, like Genesis, a lot of times, like so the creation account is what I'm specifically talking about. Mm-hmm. Is it a and lot it, of it is... It, it, that's a big thing. Right. It's right, a, in the conversations of inerrancy and right. authority. The thing is like, even that doesn't need to... You don't have to scientifically be a young earth creationist person mm-hmm. to like, I guess to hold the definition that we're going to use about like biblical inerrancy and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, just because um well it's literary style right so the the creation account is speaking to other creation myths of the time they Mm -hmm. have like a lot of similarities the epic of gilgamesh like uh but there's there's very intentional differences about the creation account Mm -hmm. that tells you about god yeah so obviously god didn't uh he didn't create like creation out of like a dead foe that he had right. just like defeated or right. you know what i mean right. or Inuma you know Elish. Th- huh the, you know Melish, the right. babylonian right. babylonian creation myth basically gives that exact right sort of thing where 
is it Tiamat gets destroyed and mm-hmm. out of the splitting up of her body, right. the, the earth and the skies yeah. are created. Whereas in Genesis, like you were saying, God just spoke, spoke it. it into existence. Yeah. And that's the thing, like when it talks about his spirit hovered over the face of the waters, back then waters is just synonymous mm-hmm. of chaos, disorder, right. um, unknown. Mm-hmm. So like, I know there's been full like theologies written about like, was the earth just water? Was there water before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like all these questions. And it's like, right. that's not like the author of Genesis could care less about your right. scientific questions. Yeah. It's not to say that they're bad questions. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't care. And he's not right. addressing those. Yeah. He's addressing the questions of his time mm-hmm. um, and talking to the, you know, the, his own contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if, if we take, if I'm just going to keep going off of Genesis now, right. If we take, Genesis to be part of a larger body of literature called the Torah, all written by one person, Moses. Mm. I think I talked to you about this, but Moses bringing people, the Israelites, out of 200 years of slavery in Egypt would have been tasked essentially with um, with cultural reformation, mm. if I can put it that way. Mm. 200 years of slavery is going to do something to your, to your worldview. Mm. You've got this people who are worshiping multiple gods, the Egyptians, mm-hmm. and now you're being called out of that and being freed from that after having seen this one prophet, Moses, claiming mm-hmm. to serve one God, destroy and wipe out all the supposed mm-hmm. gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so you're left thinking, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Right? So my my, my view of, of the first five books of the Bible is Moses reshaping the minds of these people who have been trapped in slavery for 200 years so when he presents the creation account in genesis Mm -hmm. it's speaking to other creation accounts that they would have been familiar with Mm -hmm. babylonian creation accounts like the enuma elish Mm -hmm. egyptian creation accounts Mm -hmm. and he's placing them over and above those creation accounts Mm -hmm. so when people say that the you know genesis one is so similar to other creation myths a lot of Christians would say, no, it's not blah, blah, blah. Right. And I would say, yes, it is. That's the point. Right. Right. Christians get up in arms because they read it as a, as a scientific, um, scientific retelling right. of the creation of the world as opposed to, and I might step on some toes here, as opposed to a myth. Right. And I'm not talking about mythology. I'm talking about a way of explaining things and a way of viewing the world through story mm-hmm. and a way of describing the past that has implications for the future. Yeah. Like a lot of Genesis is written um, and has allusions towards what the Israelites will encounter, mm-hmm. like in the land of Canaan and that kind yeah. of a thing. So it's, it's not to say, well, that's, so someone might ask, you know, so does that mean that the stories aren't true? Right. Like, are you advocating for a low view of scripture? Mm. And I guess I would say you're, that's like the wrong question. And I would mm-hmm. say, like our view that we were we are taking on this podcast is actually more of a high view because mm-hmm. it's focusing on the text right rather like focusing on what the text says right. rather than the events behind yeah. the text um and that's that's a little bit of a different conversation mm-hmm. but um Salhammer who uh John Salhammer John, yeah. John Salhammer yeah he wrote a book called the uh, so what is it Pentateuch as narrative. narrative yeah and uh, kind of what he proposes is that revelation from God, it, it doesn't have to do with the events. It's actually, you know, the text. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's different views on this, but 
that's what I would propose is that like, I want to know what the biblical author is trying to say, Mm -hmm. not what was, what was happening, you know, behind, as as, you know, as I said, behind the text. Like that doesn't, to me that, that, that doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is what is the author trying to tell me about God? Like, Mm -hmm. what is he teaching me? Um, like, like in the actual Mm -hmm. text rather than, do we need to yeah. pinpoint how accurate the, right. the you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the, the event is great, right? Right. right. If, if I could use an illustration, like reporters take pride on being objective reporters of just the facts. Mm-hmm. But an event without an interpretation is completely meaningless mm-hmm. without someone to interpret it, mm-hmm. right? So as great as an event is and as, as necessary as I think it was, mm-hmm. Right. Even more important than that is the interpretation of that event and specifically the written account of the interpretation of that event. Mm -hmm. Because for us, separated by thousands of years, that's all we've got. Mm -hmm. And God in his in his providence saw to it that an interpretation of that event was written down. Mm -hmm. If I can speak into more of a Christian sphere here. Right. But that. I don't know. To me, I'm seeing that as <laughs> I'm seeing that as yeah, it's even more important because mm-hmm. not only are we told of the event, but we're told why this is important. Right. Right. What the implications right. are. Yeah. yeah. Going forward. Well, that's what. Yeah. I mean. So I guess one thing that I want to say is, like, to me, it almost not that the events don't matter. Mm-hmm but they certainly don't matter as much as the emphasis is put on them that they do matter mm-hmm. because like, so I'm just, I'm just assuming here. I'm not even saying this is what I think, but let's just say that like creation isn't a six day thing. Like that doesn't mean that the, the account of Genesis isn't like very true. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's right. an incredibly true account that shows the nature of God, the nature mm-hmm. of humans, like how these things interact, how these like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much truth in the creation account. Like, I guess I think it's, it's like stripping it of some of its power when we say like, this is describing cosmologically how, you know, how things came to be. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's not to say that miraculous, like miraculous events didn't happen. And Mm -hmm. certainly we, we would say definitely. Yeah. Like, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, yeah. you believe that yeah. goes to And I mean, happen. Paul talks about in First Corinthians where like if Christ didn't actually re- rise from the dead, then right. what we believe in our faith yeah. is completely useless. So obviously there's historicity plays an important role right. in our faith and in right. our reading yeah. of scripture. But I don't think that's all of it. Right. If that makes sense. And I think there's certain things, like we said, like there's a lot of things that you don't need to believe necessarily there's pills that you don't have to swallow but you can still be a christian so obviously the core tenets of the faith like you pretty much have to believe you do in like the resurrection of christ Mm -hmm. which is a miracle like you have to believe that to be a christian you know um but you know you don't have to necessarily hold to even the the uh i guess what we're saying about inerrancy or even some of these events Mm -hmm. there's room like there's so much room underneath like like Christianity mm-hmm. for like differing, differing yeah. views on things. Yeah. So I just want to take a look at it as take a look at it from a focus standpoint, like how much of the biblical text focuses mm-hmm. on the things that we put so much focus on. Right. So how much of the biblical text is focused on 
science. The creation account. <laughs> yeah. Or specific accounts. How much yeah. of the biblical text is focused specifically on the global flood of right. Noah? Right. right. Right? Those are the, I'd say, the two hot button issues. Right. Because those are, <laughs> they don't have any his, written historical record, right, right. you know, per se. Also, like, stuff theology that's agreed on. sometimes. Right. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't work. Right. And science kind of contra you know quote unquote contradicts what the bible is quote unquote claiming as right. historical fact right um so yeah bringing it back to focus then i'd say the the bible focuses much more on jesus resurrection the fact that he did miracles i mean the whole book of luke the whole gospel of luke the point of that is to confirm what theophilus who the guy He's the guy that Luke is writing to. Luke is writing to him to confirm all the things that he's heard and he's been taught about mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So clearly, and we have four gospels right. to try to cor- to that are corroborating on that. Right. So clearly, that is a heavy emphasis in the Bible. Right. Whereas Genesis, the creation account, it's, it's one portion of Scripture and then a couple of allusions made to it, but it's not like not even the biblical authors are going out right. and staking, you know, their lives on the creation account. Right. So I think it, if anything, that should be, that should be pretty telling about how we focus in on, right. on different parts. Well, that's the problem is it's like, they obviously had a, a focus on one thing, mm-hmm. namely like, you know, uh, how to view God and how to view your surroundings and, you know, neighbors and that kind of thing for the nation of Israel back then. And then when it does become about like about the questions we want to answer, mm-hmm. we just risk we risk like missing the missing the point. You know what right. I mean? And I think that's like that's I guess that's what I'm speaking to on the Christian side is like let's let's not miss the point of what's being said mm-hmm. here in these squabbles about mm-hmm. creation and like yeah. the flood and all these things. Yeah. Like it's just it's not an essential conversation. Cool, it's fun to talk about. I'm not, yeah. I'm one for talking about things, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, I think you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing and you're putting mm-hmm. 10 times too much emphasis yeah. than is needed on yeah. it. So it, I don't know. I think, I think here's the thing. I think that Christians were cornered into focusing on those things yeah. because of the stuff that, that brought about, for example, the Chicago statement on biblical inerrancy. Right. Right. People will say, we're saying the Bible's historical record doesn't match up with all the other records that we've found of that. Right. And then, so let's grant that that's the case. Right. Right. And so they drafted the statement on inerrancy uh-huh. and they made room for the fact that the Bible is written in the style of the time. So they conflated numbers. They, right. they didn't include every person in the genealogies right. and all that stuff. But I think the mistake that was made in that was they took what was an attack on historical accuracy. Mm-hmm. And then they lumped up scientific accuracy right. with that, right. right? So the Chicago Statement on Biblical Hermeneutics, which was released after the Biblical Inerrancy Statement, yeah. Article, let me see here. One of the things that I found most troubling, okay, Article 22 of that statement says, we affirm that Genesis 1 through 11 is factual as is the rest of the book. <laughs> We deny that the teachings of Genesis 1 through 11 are mythical and that scientific hypotheses about earth history or the origin of humanity may be invoked to overthrow what scripture teaches about creation. 
And I read, I had never read, <laughs> I had never read through the hermeneutic statement. Yeah. And I'm like, well, now you're just, you're kind of just pigeonholing yourself. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like now we know, like even within the umbrella of inerrancy, like you're narrowing your scope. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like you're making, like they're making interpretive decisions at that yeah. point. Okay. We're talking about the Chicago statement of inerrancy, mm-hmm. which is basically it was a, a meeting of. Right. Uh, they met in Chicago in 1978. Okay. Um, just because I think, was it within the Southern Baptist Convention or something, there was just a large movement into liberal theology. Mm. And basically what that means is they were, they were throwing off the boundaries of, of assumed biblical inerrancy, meaning that they were conceding that, yeah, the Bible is not true in everything that it claims. And so these group of pastors and theologians were freaking out because well if they're throwing off everything that you know that keeps us you know in check then the next thing that's going to go is authority and so the chicago statement on biblical inerrancy and biblical hermeneutics was a response to that right how they do it is they they affirm something and then they deny something so mm-hmm. it says we affirm the script that scripture in its entirety is inerrant being free from all falsehood fraud or deceit and then the denial statement is, we deny that biblical infallibility and inerrancy are limited to spiritual, religious, or redemptive themes, exclusive of assertions in the fields of history and science. We further deny that scientific hypotheses about earth history may properly be used to overturn the teaching of scripture on creation and the flood. And I guess to me, it's like, oh, like you just exposed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's the one of the only places that they lose me on. Because the rest of it, like the the contradictions we were talking about, or like inflated numbers or things like that, mm-hmm. they're all within the confines of genre. So right. like it's it's a genre thing. Yeah. It's a it's a literary yeah. uh, style choice right. by the author. And in the scope of things, that's relatively easy to defend, right? Because we have all this other literature to draw back that on. That shows that people do the same thing. Right. That exactly. the style of that day was mm-hmm. to do the same thing. Whereas this. I don't. It just kind of seems out of place, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was reading through the Chicago statement in preparation for this, and I was like, "Okay, that's good." Like, "Okay, that's good." And then I got to this one, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> what? yeah." What is this doing here? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm not even I'm not even affirming the theory of evolution or the modern cosmological theories of how the Earth and the universe came to be. Yeah, they're still studying that. But I'm just saying that we Christians don't need to be so up in arms yes about this just right if all. we believe that nature reveals the glory of god and if the theology if theology and biblical studies is the study of how god revealed himself to us we shouldn't be afraid of science which is a study of another method of god revealing himself right yeah I think that is that's something that's helpful as we move towards a close is maybe a, a nuancing or a redefining of the terms that we use. Mm. Um, so maybe inerrant isn't the best word to use for that. And I think that's where the trouble lies, just because 
we place a title or you know quality on scripture but then if we're going to be honest most people don't know all the ins and outs of what that quality means right so what doesn't you, you know like what we were saying earlier what does inerrancy make room for or not make room for right and if so is that term causing more right more confusion than clarity the term it, has baggage yeah, yeah exactly and um yeah just cause inerrancy is not a word found in the bible right so maybe we shouldn't be holding on to that so tightly mm. maybe it's time for a nuancing of that definition and i'm not even saying let's throw out the term right although that might be maybe <laughs> the most be something useful. i would say <laughs> yeah yeah i know that's what you would say um but yeah like you were saying it comes with a lot of baggage because from a western mindset when we think of reliability we think of 100 percent accuracy right and if it's not 100 percent accurate the way we deem accuracy right then our modern you know western mindset would deem the bible unreliable right and a logical outcome of that would be unauthoritative right which i get yeah but again let's rethink right i think it like the term to to narrow it down even more like the chicago statement basically and the chicago statement on biblical inerrancy and biblical hermeneutics they basically employ a literal interpretation of the bible and that in itself if you read the commentary on the the two statements, they delineate what they mean by literal. So it takes into account those things that we talked right. about, the, the the figures, the, genre, the chronological style. stuff, the yeah. yeah, the genre stuff. But the layperson is not going right. to be reading. They it took me literal. a little bit to yeah. search for right. that commentary to see what they were talking about when they talked about truth, when they talked right. about liter uh, literal. Right. Um, interpretations or readings so it i think it accounts for that mm -hmm. maybe not as much as it should mm -hmm. um and i'm not claiming to be an expert or anything but i don't think right. <laughs> it 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 makes enough uh it gives it enough space right even with the term literal but again for the lay person um they're not they're not they're not looking or understanding the word literal with that in mind Right. When they think of literal, they're going to think of how everyone uses the term literal. Yeah. Well, that's what, like, obviously languages evolve as they go and change. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, I mean, even terms that were used back when the Chicago Statement was written, like, they might, even in this short span of time, mean something mm -hmm. different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe it worked for that generation. Yeah. But And I don't want to take a position of chronological snobbery, right. like yeah, Lewis says, right? Because that's yeah. super dangerous. Right. And I don't want to be, yeah. Right. It's just the fact that it's not saying that they're they were any worse off than us. It's just the words don't mean what they used to mean. That's mm -hmm. why I guess I don't read the King James anymore. I'm, I know there are people out there who do, <laughs> but I read the King James nowadays. Wait, there are other Bible versions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for all, all the, our listener. <laughs> why are we going back to another KJV? I don't know. The KJV we're keeps sorry, sneaking into our conversations. <laughs> so maybe literal isn't the best word maybe liter so reading the bible as literally as possible well i get what you mean it might not mean the same thing to today's readers right so maybe we can read the bible literarily hmm. so taking the i think that 
emphasizes more so the literary aspect of it because it's it's more obvious in the word, right. right? Literarily, right, right. So all of a sudden, your your mind is not thinking to a traditional sense of the word literal, mm-hmm. not even the emphatic sense of the word literal, right? But your mind is focused on the literature part of that word. Right. So automatically, you're going to be reading the Bible if you do take if you do start reading the Bible literarily. You're automatically going to be considering the literature, right. genre, style, right. and all that stuff. Authorial intent. Yeah. What is he actually yeah. trying to say? Yeah. And context. I'm not going to make a. I'm not making any claims that that is the best way, but that might be a better. Yeah. Way. Yeah, we think the the word literal and even inerrant have just caused a little bit of confusion, mm-hmm. and I guess just maybe a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm unless you read further into it like you have with the commentaries. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, maybe it's time to find a word that fits better. Yeah. Um, yeah, for today's Still context. honoring the past. Yeah, Because it was definitely necessary. Yeah, we appreciate it. But language changes. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Maybe we should kind of pull it together and uh, maybe conclude with just trying to say maybe, maybe some people didn't understand what we were saying at certain points. So maybe mm-hmm. just to clarify, we'll say, you know, what we're not saying mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what we're saying. So I don't know. I don't know if you yeah. want to start. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. So what are we saying? Or what? <laughs> let's let's start off with what, what we're not, we saying. not saying. Yeah. 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 So we're not saying that the events in the Bible aren't accurate. Right. Right. I think we can both agree on yes. that. Yeah, I would say. Um, I would say, yeah, we're not saying, so this is, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not necessarily saying that the history, her historicity presented in the Bible is false, but I don't think, especially like with Genesis and that kind of like the creation account and the flood, the event is not the event actually happening has no bearing on the themes Mm -hmm. and on the, the goal of Genesis Mm -hmm. or the Pentateuch as a whole. Cause let's say, so one of the difficulties is, so, so what do you do with when Jesus talks about Jonah, right? He Mm -hmm. says they, no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah. Mm -hmm. And some scholars don't even believe Jonah existed. Right. Or let's take the toe, the tale of, the account of Jonah being swallowed up mm-hmm. by a fish. Mm-hmm. How is that right. physically possible? Uh, right. It brings up whole questions of that, right? So the question is, well, if Jesus is referring to it, what? Obviously, it's you know fact. If, if Jesus, fact. yeah, you Can know, I refers say a to piece it. on that. Or yeah, go think? ahead. I okay. think we're on the same page okay. on this. So go ahead. Yeah, I guess to me, it's. Just because somebody's using a well-known figure or an example doesn't mean that they're uh, affirming the absolute historicity of it. Mm-hmm. So when even in Romans, when it says, by one man, sin came into the world through Adam, and also by one man, sin leaves the world through Christ, you can still say that that's a literary device to say, look, Jesus took the sin away from mm-hmm. the of, of, like from the world. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's not it it doesn't necessitate that Adam actually is like was a was a i guess like a factual historical mm-hmm. you know figure um and the same thing with with Jonah when Jesus says you know I'll give you the sign of Jonah which is basically he'll be dead for 3 days and rise again which mm-hmm. is how long Jonah was in the whale 
just because he's making that reference doesn't necessitate that Jesus, you know what I mean? That he's right. saying that that absolutely right. happened. Yeah. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just right. saying if you can't swallow that pill, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like with it's essentially their sermon illustrations. Right. Right. We don't, we don't place all our eggs in, in a, in a sermon illustration. No, we take the sermon illustration as a whole mm-hmm. and the actual main focus of a sermon. Right. Like if, if you talk with someone and they they're so focused on the details of a sermon of a sermon illustration, uh-huh. then they obviously completely you missed, missed the sermon and the point <laughs> yeah. of it. And that's I think our position yeah, on that. Exactly. It's like stop focusing on what he was using to illustrate whether right. or not they were factual or not. Right. And again, we're not saying one thing or the other. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying let's stop focusing on that right. because it does make us look ignorant yeah. and closed-minded. I think closed-minded is a is a label often put on Christians, and I think yeah. it is very rightly rightly placed in some instances. Right? Yeah. Are there certain things that the Bible is very clear about? Yes, but are there certain things where it's not clear? Right. From our perspective, yes. Especially some modern questions mm-hmm. like science. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so we're not saying that the events in the Bible are not accurate. Right. This, so this is where, when we were talking at the beginning, we were saying the Bible is true in all that it affirms mm-hmm. and everything that it's trying to get across to you. So um, so that's where all these things, um, such as the flood and the creation account, it's like, what is the author trying to get across to me? And that's what you should take away. And uh, I guess we would say, like, interpretive, or I guess I would say, uh, like, my interpretation is that he's not trying to present a scientific explanation of the, you know, the creation of the world and that kind of a thing. Um, it's more so about the nature of God and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and even the nature of humans as well. Yeah. One thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but at the same time, we're also not saying that accuracy is not important. Yeah. Right. Right. right because obviously there's certain things of our faith that <laughs> we need to be to accurate be. that yeah. Jesus rose from <laughs> yeah, the dead. Exactly. So clearly that's if very somebody's denying important. that Jesus existed and is still a Christian or trying to be a Christian. I guess I would that yeah, wouldn't that they would, wouldn't even fall into that category. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You're also Yeah. The thing about being kicked out of the church, this is just a t- entirely a side note. There's certain pillars of Christian Christian theology that if you deny you are just no longer a Christian. It's not that, you know, we hate you and we don't want you in here. It's just mm-hmm. that if you say that Jesus isn't a divine divine and human, that's a pillar of the faith. And so, you know, you can believe that, but mm-hmm. you can't call yourself a Christian. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's just yeah. a side note. Something that my pastor always says is like <laughs> to be a Christian, you don't need to have all your Ts crossed and all your Is dotted. Yeah. You know. So, if you and I'm not, even, I'm not even saying eventually you'll get to the point where you believe it does. Right, it did right, factually yeah, exactly. happen. I'm just saying, like, we pose, <laughs> we put too much into the basket of salvation. All right, you need to put all these things into the salvation basket. Then you can go ahead and carry it and claim that you're saved. Right. You, you don't need to do that. Um, yeah. You don't even, yeah, you don't even really have to try, honestly. Right. Anyway, I don't know why this turned into a, we're just evangelizing right now. Anyway. Have you heard the good news, listener? <laughs> yeah. Do you know Jesus Christ? Uh, anyway. But I think, okay, so we've said what we, what we're not, we've said what we're not saying. Right. So we've stated and we made clear what we're not saying. So what you said earlier, you know, this is what we are saying. Mm. Like you said, the Bible is true and everything that it's, 
trying to communicate, what it's trying to get across mm. to us. And you did a really good job, I think, of kind of expanding on that. Um, and I'd even add to that and say, specifically, the Bible is not undermined by science. Absolutely not. Because yeah. they're answering two different yeah. questions. I would say every once in a while it helps us because that way we're not burning people at the stake when they say mm-hmm. the world is round, goes around the sun. Yeah. So sometimes it actually does help us interpret. Yeah. And the authority and truthfulness of the Bible doesn't rest on 100% accuracy. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that might be troubling yeah, for, for some sure. people. And I get why it would be. Well, I guess that's the, it's what does your faith stand on? So, so I'm taking an example that I don't even, I don't even believe. I'm just, I'm just saying a crazy example. Like say a uh, historical like fact was found that like the biblical temple of Solomon like never existed or like it might've existed, but it was like nothing like what was written in the Bible or something, mm-hmm. which I'm, this isn't even a claim that's being made. I'm just using a random example. Um, like, even if that was the case, I'd be like, Oh, all right like like that's fine like interesting and you know maybe challenge that to see if it's actually you know accurate but at the same time that doesn't i now that has no bearing on whether or not i can like believe the gospel to be true and like be a christian it would make me look at the the biblical text a little different like hmm, i wonder why it was written this way mm-hmm. like i said that's a horrible example because it's not that's not right. an actual thing that's argued yeah. but, but i think you you touched on an important point right so let's not grip our reading of scripture so tightly that it makes us close-minded to everything else but at the same time let's not accept all the critiques of scripture right open-mindedly as well just without like critique right yeah exactly so i think there's a there's an open palm to this whole thing like you keep you keep your beliefs and your interpretation in open home definitely nothing wrong with having strong convictions mm-hmm. i think that you should yeah yeah exactly but then you know when things do come along you know, give it some thought, mm-hmm. some critical thinking. And obviously, you know, I mean, that's why we have experts and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, see how it goes. So I guess open palm, but also, but also, you know, strong conviction. Yeah. yeah. If you disagree with us, tell us about it. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. Uh, we you can visit our website, questions from the pew uh, website. There's a place to leave comments. And uh, yeah, so if you have questions on this, maybe this opened you up to a new world and you want to know more about this. Uh, yeah, feel free to um, yeah, send your inquiries there. Um, if you have any different questions you'd like to, us to take up in yeah, later episodes. Let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. We'd yeah. love to hear from everyone. As always, rate, comment, like you said, ask questions. Subscribe to our podcast Absolutely. if you haven't already. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Questions from the Pew. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Luke Smanning. We'll see you next time. Yeah.